Tibet was historically is independent country, is a sovereign nation. We have all kind of I think kind of the uh, proofs that can approve that Tibet was never being part of China. What is middle way approach? We don't have exact information, exact kind of awareness of middle way approach. So that's they always have kind of the misconception and misperception of middle way approach. When it comes to middle way approaches, actually it has a lot of the dimension, it's a lot of the principle or the perspectives, right? Rangzen or in terms of the independence. That sort of the, I think, kind of the mindset has already exists in our mind. When we are small, said our grandfather, our, our, our forebath, always talk about it. We lost our independence under China, and China is our enemy. We have already that sort of the kind of, I think, thinking in our mind. What China has implemented kind of the political structure in Tibet since 1915, and we are not happy, and we are not satisfied with these things. In DCV, Suzhou, or I, I think in any DCV school, there is a kind of atmosphere, there is kind of the uh, space where we can I have a debate, and we, but I used to consider my YouTube channel as kind of the platform where I can share what I have something knowledge about politics and what, what my understanding of the politics, I mean, particularly international politics. Unsilenced Voices of Young Tibetans is a podcast presented by the Foundation for Nonviolent Alternatives where young Tibetans share their personal stories, experiences, opinions, and journey in exile. Namaste and welcome to our FNVA podcast. Unsilenced voices of young Tibetans. In today's episode, we will discuss the middle way approach, which is the official policy of the Central Tibetan Administration, also known as the Tibetan government in exile, when it comes to resolving the Tibet-China conflict. On top of this, we will engage about Tibetans on the YouTube space, how they are utilizing their freedom of expression, and also on the Tibetan children village, which is the largest Tibetan school body in exile. Our guest today has a strong knowledge on these subjects. He is the executive director of the Delhi chapter of the Global Tibetan People's Movement for the Middle Way Approach, and also is the host of the popular Tibetan YouTube channel, International Political Commentator. So without any further ado, I welcome our guest, Nizwam Shula. Thank you. Uh, so, Monshula, firstly, could you tell us about yourself and your organization, the Global Tibetan People Movement for Middle Way Approach? So, uh, first and foremost, I'd like to say uh, thanks very much for having me here. It's my great honor and a pleasure to share some of my thoughts and my views on the uh, Middle Way Approach. And also, I'd like to say thanks for your invitation on behalf of our organization as the uh, Global Development Movement for Middle Way Approach. So when it comes to the, our organization, it was first founded in 2008 and uh, since then it has been expanding is the uh, regional branch or is regional membership and also is, is regional coordinator. Today we have almost I think 23 or 24 regional coordinator regional uh, memberships. So this is how our organization has been found, how it has been changing with the uh, time being and also the main purpose and main objective of uh, creating this sort of the, I think, uh, organization is to educate to those different people who don't have that much knowledge and who don't have that much awareness about middle way approaches. So that's why this is our main uh, purpose and main kind of the objective of creating this sort of organization. And also we are uh, happy to work with the uh, CDA at, at Central Tibet Administration on any program on the middle way approaches. So uh, uh, yeah, yeah, is that all about our organization and uh, for uh, for myself I was born in Tibet and uh, where I have grown up for some time also and also I went be uh, I went to in Chinese school where I have studied about the Tibetan language and the Chinese language a little bit and also 
After that, I came in India in 2008, and I've, I have been joining this uh, for my primary uh, schooling. And after this, I have joined in, uh, I mean, I stay in this till class 12. Then I have joined in Delhi University for my uh, bachelor study of the political science. And also, uh, currently, I'm doing my uh, MA on Delhi University. So that's all about myself. Definitely, Wangsha. A very interesting journey and you know, you really point out the nitty-gritty of what this organization is. So I think we'll discuss more on that in the coming question. But firstly, since you brought up the thing about how you came from Tibet, you studied in a, apparently a Chinese school in Tibet and eventually came to TCV, TCV Suja. So I would like to ask, like, because even I was studying in TCV Suja and I think we met, we, our paths crossed each other. And what were your experiences growing up there and could you share us any profound moment that you felt while you were in TCV Suja? Yeah, the, uh, when I was in TCV Suja school, I think I have lots of experience, I have lots of beautiful moments. But I, I want to share one, um, one of most uh, kind of the memorable moments that I have gained in TCV Suja is like that the I think that in TCV Suja or I, I think in any TCV school there is a kind of atmosphere there is kind of the uh, space where we can have a debate and we can participate in any sort of I think kind of the uh, program uh, where we can share our thoughts and where we can share our views and also I think that kind of program has provide kind of platform where we can practice how we can be a great speaker and how we can uh, be, uh, I mean, how we, for example, what I'm become today, like I'm sharing something on YouTube. So all this because of what I have learned from DCV. So I think this is one of something that I have uh, learned from DCV, something that I never forget memory from DCV, particular from Suja. Definitely. And if I'm not wrong, I think you must have participated in a lot of school debates, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, right? sure. So very interesting. I think uh, the things that we learn in school is something which we definitely carry forward when we continue our life journey. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, and on top of this, you also, on this current path, you mentioned how you do your YouTube channel, and which is very much popular. I have a Tibetan friend who is also from Tibet, and he very much watches, not only him, but I believe there are a lot of Tibetans who watch your YouTube channel, which is called the International Political Commentator. It has a lot of subscribers. So can you tell us not only me, but all our audience, what your YouTube channel is, what you aim from it, and how is it going now? Yeah, when it comes to the my my YouTube channels, I think actually it's, a, it's like normal YouTube channel, right? But, uh, but I used to consider my YouTube channel as kind of the platform where I can share what I have something knowledge about politics and what, what my understanding of politics, I mean, particularly international politics. So that's why I used to consider it's a platform to share my understanding politics to to all my audience who used to watch my uh, YouTube right and also uh, these days my YouTube is going quite well because uh, my viewers and my subscribers they're giving uh, lots of support lots of loves on my YouTube so I'm, uh, I'm I'm pretty much sure it's going quite well and I hope it will going well because I'm doing so much I think kind of the uh, like invest on my uh, YouTube from every side so I hope my audience also will continually support my YouTube channel. So that's all. Definitely, I think not only the support from your audience, but I think we Tibetans need more such contents or more such channels. 
because what I notice is, yeah, that sort of channel is also needed where you portray what you're doing in life, but some sort of analytical channels where you sort of analyze, especially your thing, analyzing the political scenario of the world. And one thing that your channel pretty much goes in deep is the Russia Ukraine Ukraine, yeah, yes. war. So, what is your thought on that? Like, yeah, yeah. Actually, I think when first time I start my YouTube channel, all of my that that kind of platforms. Uh, my first thought and my first kind of the expectation is to to give my thoughts on politics, to uh, to give some sort of knowledge and information of international politics. But I think, uh, but finally, I think that my YouTube is more focused on the as you mentioned the Russian and Ukraine war because it has quite the some sort of the important kind of the uh, political I think kind of the movement that that, that happening into today. So. Uh, my thought on Russian Ukraine war, I think this is uh, something very much important, the, uh, the political change that we have to understand. That, I mean, how that Russian Ukraine war has been started and what are the main cause of the Russian Ukraine war and how it is going and how it will end. So this is very much, I think, something related to the, our issue and our case. For example, how Ukraine has Ukraine has getting kind of support from the international I think, organization or particular this great nation and, and also more important how this great nation are playing their political game in the Russian-Ukraine war and also and at the end of the how Ukraine government will take their own decisions. Not only listening what the, the great power is advising and what great power is providing kind of support but and at the end of the decision will make in the capital of the Ukraine. So that's why this is something very much important we have to learn because even we getting a lot of support, we getting a lot of, I think, kind of the uh, yeah, uh, support from international organization, great power, but at end of the day, it's our hand. How we'll go and how we'll take our decision, how we'll go in which direction. So this is something we have learned. And also this is something that I want to share with my audience. Definitely, and as you mentioned, like we Tibetans also, the current scenario that we face, like how in a way, China illegally occupied our territory. We find a lot of similarities between what is happening between Ukraine and Russia right now. So, yeah, very interesting also. So, now let's move on to the sub, to the major theme of our session today, which is the middle way approach. So, you've shed some light on it, like what your organization does and the sort of branches that you have. But what exactly is the middle way approach? And are Tibetans in general aware of this policy and by awareness I mean like we Tibetans know what the middle way policy is to a certain extent but what is the nit and gritty of this policy? Yeah, yeah. I think this is a very much important question that we have to understand because the before I'm going to answer for that question I, I want to share something related to that questions because in our society in a particular society in exile I mean in exile community there are lots of Tibetan people who don't know what is middle way approach? Who don't have exact information, exact kind of awareness of middle way approach? So that's they always have kind of the misconception and misperception of middle way approach. So that's why I think this is something very much risk that we will face in our future. So that's why what I mean is we have to understand that exact question like that. What is middle way approaches? So now I'm going to give answer for your question. If I give you a simple way, uh, it is kind of the police. Police, you know, it's kind of police, so it's kind of the political approach that we have brought to resolve the conflict between China and Tibet, and also that kind of police try to bring kind of solution and kind of the agreement between China and Tibet. So this is kind of the simple explanation or kind of I think um, primary the definition of the middle way approach. It's a police, right? 
but if i go to in deeper kind of the explanation or deeper uh, articulation of the middle way approach then i think we have to touch that particular word like the middle middle path middle uh, approach that means when we are talking about middle path definitely that has two sides two path if there is no two path then how we'll have a, that kind of middle path so that's why we have to understand these three i think kind of dimension these three kind of path uh, two side and in the middle way so middle way like that uh, what we are seeking and what we are try to uh, something looking for is the middle path that means we are not looking for these two sides right so we have to understand what is these two sides right the one side is like the since china has illegally occupied tibet in 1959 right you also know it right so from that from that onwards there is always conflict between china and tibet and also even china has occupied tibet in illegally in 1959 but in historical tibet still is a independent country is a sovereign nation so that's we have historical right to see what we were in history so this is one side i mean the we are seeking we have right to seek full independence this is one side right yeah. the other side is that uh, Uh, we are not happy and we are not satisfied with what china is doing today in inside tibet mm. i mean what china has implemented kind of the political structure in tibet since 1915 and we are not happy and we are not satisfied with these mm. things uh, like i mean china has the divided rule that tibet has tibet region has divided into different parts even some it i mean some eastern tibet part is put under chinese kind of the province the chinese district so so that's why we are not happy with these sort of the political kind of system uh, structures So we are not looking for these two sides. That means we are looking for that middle way approach. Then what is that middle way approach? That middle way approach is is general autonomous, right? General autonomous, and also that kind of general autonomous or that kind of general autonomous status is not something that out of Chinese constitution. It is already exists in Chinese constitution. We are not seeking something new out of Chinese constitution. So that's why middle way approach is something like that. one side we are not seeking fully independence even though we have the historical right to seek it we are not seeking it we are not talking about history is is history is history we are looking more in future future right future relationship with china that one side other side is we are not happy with what china is doing today inside tibet so between these two we we are seeking middle way seeking general autonomous status that has already given in chinese constitution so that's why this is the i think kind of the middle way approaches Definitely, you really hit the hammer on it. I should say on the middle way approach, you really gave out a detailed explanation. What we Tibetans, especially the Central Tibetan Administration, which is representing all us Tibetans in the diasporic community, stands for, you know, with this policy of how this policy is something that is not only within the constitution but something that we Tibetans and our, in a way, how should I put it, our conquerors, should I say, we can work out. Because at the end of the day, this policy very much, in some ways, like being a pol science student, even you are pol yeah, science yeah. students, right? Like we learn about Machiavelli, the prince. You tend to keep the nation first. But this is something what I personally feel is this is beyond that. It's something of a new sort of political theory that we Tibetans have brought to the table. Exactly. And I think yeah. we should work on it. Don't you think so? Also? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That that you have hit exactly mm. point that I want to share here. So exactly the one is comes to middle way approaches. Actually, it has a lot of the dimension. It is a lot of the principle or the perspectives, right? But I'm trying to emphasize here only three important perspective. As you have already hit that point. So first per- perspective is is kind of the moral based perspective. Moral based perspective or is kind of moral based principle. 
And second perspective is the political perspective, right? And third perspective is the strategical perspective. So I used to uh, define middle way approach through basis of these three principles or these three perspectives, right? So when it comes to the first perspective, I mean the moral perspective, which says like that uh, when it comes to conflict, it's not only the conflict, uh, political issue, political conflicts, there are lots of other natural conflicts like I think social conflict and there are many other conflicts. So that's why in order to resolve these sort of conflicts, we have to find a kind of the moral based kind of the solutions. So that moral-based solution means it means exactly like the mutual understanding, right? Mm-hmm. Mutual acceptance, mutual concerning. And that means we have to think each side. We don't think only ourselves, right? So this is moral-based. Even I think when it comes to the Tibet and China conflicts, we Tibet and through middle way approach, we try to think not only for, for us, but also for China's. Because we already saying we are not seeking what we were in history. That means we think for China, right? So this is a, the way how to resolve issue through moral perspective. So this is first perspective of the moral, I think the uh, kind of the middle way approach. So that's what that kind of the, I think moral perspective is applied in everywhere. And every conflict, not only political conflict, not only Tibet and China conflict. So this is a kind of the moral perspective, right? The second perspective is political perspective. So when it comes to the political perspective, that means we particularly focus on political issue. So political issue means that the I think that uh, we have faced lots of I think kind of the, uh, the the humanitarian kind of I think the, the disasters in our history. I mean, then in first world war and second world war, how many people has been died? How many people has been I think lost their family in the first and second world war. These all are because of political issues. These all because of the political conflicts. But at at end of day in how second world war and how European Union has been become such I think kind of I think uh, the perfect union. Because at at end of day they realize we can't find solution by fight, by means of war. We have to think each other. We have to think mutual understand uh, mutual concern. So that's why they Ignore their ego. I mean, they in the first how first world has happened because they they are so much ego in the the empire in European Union. So that's why in at end of the all this European capital, they ignore their ego and they try to think each other. So that's why they brought such beautiful and such great union. So this is political perspective. So this kind of I think kind of the I think uh, the solo this kind of the uh, method is in everywhere. So this is the. Second, I think, perspective of middle way approaches. How we can resolve the political issue by bringing the, the kind of middle way approach, right? The uh, third perspective, perspective is the strategical perspective, right? The strategical perspective means, I mean, I mean that when it comes to the international kind of the problem and then when it comes to the international conflicts, the, at the end of days, every country looking for their own interest, they will not care about others, even they I kind of they allies their friend, they don't care. They only look their own people's interest, their own people's aspiration. So that's why at the end of the day is 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 all our hind. How we can take decision and how we can take kind of the I think uh, how how we will choose our directions. So that's why middle way approach is something that we have choose on the basis of aspiration and expectation of different people. So that's why this is third I kind of the strategical perspective of the middle way approach. Even we have a lot of the I think uh, the international kind of support, and we have a lot of great power support, but that support will not bring the real kind of, I think, 
kind of the I think direction that we went in our future in for long time. So that's why we choose middleware approach. That will bring something that for yeah. uh, for different peoples. So that's all. Definitely, Wangsula. You really elaborated, gave a very elaborate explanation explanation on this middleware approach. But something that uh, is very much evident in our exile Tibetan community when it comes to the middleware approach is how there is this generational chasm, especially between the younger generation. I can say that, I think I can say that the younger generation, most of them, maybe if I give it in percentage, maybe 60, 70, more than 70 maybe, like, they tend to favor, not favor middle way and opt for this other path, which is also very prevalent, the yeah, yeah, path, yeah. complete independence. And the older generation, we see how they are more or less go along with the middle way. So, why do you think there is such varied opinion among our very own Tibetan diaspora community on this policy? when it comes to resolving the Tibet-China conflict? Yeah, I think this is a also a very important question and this is something that we are concerning that the why we our organization is creating and uh, forming is also for these kind of the problems because there is a huge gap between the new generation, older generation for I think for understanding of the middle way approaches. So that's why I think this gap is because of I think kind of the uh, the kind of atmosphere, kind of society where how we can the uh, how we can educate these young generation about middle way approaches. I, I, uh, from basis of my own experience, like when I was in TCV Suja, I, I, I haven't, I didn't hear the mid, about middle way approaches, right? And also there's not that much more discussion about middle way approaches. So this is some society where we grew up and our young generation grew up. So that's why this sort of the gap is occur in our society. For it, it, when it's, uh, I think in terms of the Ranzen or in terms of the independence, that sort of the, I think, kind of the mindset is already exists in our mind. When we are small, said our grandfather, our, our, our forward, always talk about it. We lost our independence under China, and China is our enemy. We have already that sort of the kind of I think thinking in our mind. But middle way approaches, something is come, I think, later, right? Is something is new concept or something new policies. So that's why, I think, problem is that the uh, if I say directly. Uh, our CDA is also, uh, I think, kind of the should more focus on that particular, I think, uh, police to, I think, share and uh, to educate people what is middleware, uh, what is middleware, but despite they believing or not, mm-hmm. it's their choice. At the end of the day, it's their choice whether they believing or not, but they should educate it. Once they educated about the middleware approach, then they can realize, they can, they can decide it, whether it is right or wrong. Otherwise, today in our society, many people blaming and many people criticize middleware approach. It's something like something like that, but they don't have any knowledge. So that's why my I think uh, the my take on that the why there is huge gap between the older generation, new generations only because of society and atmosphere where they didn't get kind of access to learn about it. So we have to bring more access, bring more platform to. Uh, discuss about middle way approach. Even our organization, main objectives like this. Yeah, definitely, and your organization, as you say, very much fills this very vacuum that is present in our community. And I think I think we should make this clear now, because I think middle way approach, in the sense in Tibetan, it's called Umelam. So yes. they don't say that Tibet is part of China in their own records. It's like Tibet was historically independent. That's what middle way approaches also believe. I think you should set the record straight on that, right, Monsula? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think your questions like that in in our community, in our society, mm-hmm. some people thought like I think like that. If we are seeking middle way approach, that means we are accepting what China has the 
I think kind of the giving some introduction, kind of the I think kind of, uh, definition of historical relationship between China and Tibet. China used to say like the Tibet was part of China, but well, we are seeking middle way approach. That doesn't mean that we are accepting what 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 we were in history. And history history is history. No one will change history. No one will I think kind of the um, change the course of histories. Histories always exist as history. So that's why even we are seeking middle way approaches. But history is always history. That means Tibet was never being part of China. Tibet was historically is independent country, is a sovereign nation. We have all kind of I think kind of the uh, proofs that can approve that Tibet was never being part of China. So this is uh, uh, something uh, very clear that the uh, those who are seeking middle way approach, those, those who are following middle way approach, that doesn't mean they are accepting what China is. If we are accepting what China went, then why China not accepting middle way approach? Because China used to reject middle way approach. That means we are not accepting what China thought the thing like. Definitely, and on top of this, like in much earlier instances, you mentioned how middle way is like the middle of the spectrum. So. Recently, in one of our FNVS program, one of our speakers, you know, he very much pointed out how in the Tibetan community there is this binary between some go for Ramzan and the other goes for Umelam or Middle Way. And he sort of narrated how there is a possibility or the need of a third alternative. So what is your thought on that? Yeah, I think uh, this is something uh, kind of opinion that has arising from our society that uh, somebody is saying like that, no, we, we can't more rely on middle way approach that because we can't get any solution any, any outcome from middle way approach that means they're looking for another alternative uh, kind of the path but it yet to come right yeah. it's still not in our society so that's why i think it at end of the day it depends on people's hands people's choice if majority people want to change that kind of policy and if majority people want to have kind of alternative policy definitely if they'll depends on people's no one will dictate and no one will i think forcefully People to take any kind of the other uh, kind of I think path. It depends on people's choice. So I think I, at the end of the day, it's people's choice. Definitely, whatever policies that the city or uh -huh. or the Tibetans take forward, at the end of the day, it's the will of the Tibetans. Yeah, people. will of yeah, yes. It is the consensus. Unless and until that is achieved, I think we won't move ahead. Yeah. Even I think when it comes to the middle way approaches, mm -hmm. so it's also people's view, people's choice, because middle way approach has been democratically elected in our parliament. For not only one time, only I think almost three, several times, it has been elected based on people's choice. If people don't like this sort of policy, if people don't, I think, satisfy with this policy, then it will change. But on the basis of three referendum, it has always got a majority support. So that's why this is people's choice, middle way approaches. Definitely, So one thing that you mentioned like how you came from tibet and being a tibetan you know what is your view on the current predicament like we are moving away from the middle way so yeah. like going on to nit and gritty and what's happening to our tibetan brothers and sisters inside tibet so what sort of predicament do you think our brothers and sisters and even us in exile we yeah, face yeah. when it comes to the current you know prc yeah, juggernaut that yeah, seems yeah. to be everywhere you know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Jinping visited yeah true, true. <laughs> So a lot of things are happening, but what is really happening to our sisters and brothers inside Tibet? Yeah, I think as uh, we Tibetans who live in here exile and we are doing something for those who live inside under Chinese aggression, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the one of most important thing that we need to know about inside Tibet is that first we 
first we have to understand what re what realistic things going inside Tibet, right? What what China is doing something inside Tibet? Or oh, I think on that kind of the kind of the issue, we can't be, I think, kind of exaggeration, right? We we should be very realistic. What China is doing? I mean, economically, politically, and social. What China is doing? How China is. I think kind of destroying our culture and our, our identity and our kind of the our language. So these are kind of the issue that we have to understand. For example, I, I give you one example, right? Uh, you know TikTok, right? TikTok is very much popular in the in in everywhere, right? Inside in China, inside in China, or is in Tibet, right? TikTok version is totally different. It's Chinese version, right? So I used to watch sometimes of the Chinese version of TikTok, right? In which Anybody try to speak in Tibetan language, they will ban it. They are not allowed to speak, right? They should speak in Tibetan Chinese language. Even there, a lot of Tibetan, I think, TikTok publishers, right? They used to going live and they going, I think, have a sort of thing debate in TikTok, right? They try to speak in Tibetan, they will ban. So that that how China is doing inside. Tibet. These are major concerns that we have to understand, right? So the, my, uh, I, my final take on is that we have to understand what realistic things going on there. That's very much important. Definitely. And <coughs> currently, if I'm not wrong, is currently under the hammer, should I say, when it comes to USA. <laughs> going to the Senate testimonies and you rightly pointed out, even for me, this is the first time hearing it, you know how I knew that there were different versions of TikTok, but I didn't know what was happening to the Tibetans inside Occupied Tibet, how, you know, they were not allowed to speak in Tibetan once they do, you rightly said so, they were being banned, pushed away from this platform, so this shows how Tibetans inside Tibet are not treated as human beings at the end of the day. Yeah, 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 I, I need to make it something, uh, I think, clear that I, I uh, use one word wrong. It's not like ban. Okay. If you say ban is something exactly different word, I mean that is they stopped. They can't go live. Okay. They 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 give some like, signal. If you speak Tibetan, you will not allow to go live. So like then your live stream is stopped. Oh, stopped. Oh, they right. they should speak in the Chinese. So this is how uh, the China is censoring in the social media, right? So we run short on time, unfortunately. Okay. So. Finally, I would like to ask you whether you have any messages to our Tibetans, brother and sisters worldwide, and also the plethora of Tibetan supporters who continue to stand by us. So, I, I, I think, actually I don't have any special things to share with all this Tibetan community, even I'm not in that position to give kind of the message, right? But as a Tibetan citizen, as a Tibetan a refuge, will stay here in the exile, right? So, what I want to say here is that we have to study about politics, right? We have to study about international politics. This is very much important. Even today, we are facing a lot of problem in a community, in small community. I mean, the regionalism kind of like this, and we have uh, our even if I say uh, true and something directly, we 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 are not necessarily hide what things happen in our society. We are totally divided. Our society is so much polarized, right? So all these things happen not because of the cause of regionalism. It's because of we are uneducated, right? All course like this. If we are educated about politics, then we will realize that which direction we are going and which kind of the kind of the part that we are choosing today. It's very much dangerous. It's very much risks. If, if we are doing this kind of things again, I can definitely there are some who are funding these sort of things activity, right? So that's what my point is. We have to be educated about the politics because we stay here exiled almost 
I think 60 years, years, we have uh, all this, I think, kind of the material and kind of opportunity to study whatever things happening around, not around in the world. It's not like those who are in, inside Tibet. So we have to be like what we are today here. Otherwise, we will, I think, kill by ourselves, not by Chinese. If we do this kind of thing, again, again. So this is my final kind of the suggestion, not advice, because I'm not that <laughs> position. Okay, thank you. Indeed, Bonsula, so very beautifully shared, you know, like uh, a concern as a fellow Tibetan, you know, really pointed out it and I hope our audience would take notice and heed on his words so with this uh, I would like to conclude our session but before wrapping things up I would like to read an excerpt from the late Thupten Sambi's book which I just finished reading okay. it's the book title is falling through the roof so one passes from this book it's very interesting I believe every beginning begins with hope every end ends in a prayer so on that note Monsulab Thank you for coming to our session here, taking time from your busy schedule and even your, you know, YouTube schedule. <laughs> so thank you so much, Monsula. Okay, thank, you. thank. And also, uh, finally, I also I like to say thanks for your organization and your uh, invitation. We are very happy to speak on your program, and we will uh, look for more interaction. Us, okay? Thank you. Thank you. For more updates and videos by FNA, click on the link and please subscribe to our channel. Thank you for watching.